Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's easier to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com, you can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find some internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from NHK Japan, Radio Havana Cuba, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, and France 24. We will begin with NHK World Radio Japan. The governor of Okinawa is looking for international allies to help stop the relocation of a U.S. military facility in his prefecture. Chinese imports of Japanese seafood fell by two-thirds last month due to the Fukushima wastewater being dumped into the Pacific Ocean. The Japanese embassy in Washington hosted a Fukushima fish fest for members of the U.S. Congress. The government of Thailand is set to reverse its decision, which has allowed recreational use of cannabis. An international research group says the heavy rain that triggered the horrific flood in Libya was the result of climate change. Climate activists demanding reductions in fossil fuel use spray-painted the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. NHK Japan The governor of Okinawa in southern Japan is looking for international allies to help stop the relocation of a U.S. military facility within the prefecture. Tamaki Denny told the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva on Monday the concentration of U.S. bases in Okinawa is a threat to peace. The prefecture makes up less than 1% of Japan's land area but hosts about 70% of all U.S. military facilities in the country. Japan's central government has begun reclamation work to move the U.S. Marine Corps Futenma Air Station from Ginowan City to the less populated coastal district of Hinoko in the prefecture. The Japanese government is imposing the construction of a new American base in Okinawa by carrying out land reclamation work on our precious sea areas. It was clearly opposed by Okinawan voters in a democratically held referendum. A Japanese government representative was quick to respond. We believe that steadily advancing the construction work based on the policy that the Henoko relocation is the only solution will enable the complete return of Tenma Air Station as swiftly as possible and lead to the elimination of its danger to the local population. Tamaki is scheduled to stay in Geneva until Friday. He'll speak to the council two more times and meet with relevant UN officials. China's imports of Japanese seafood in August were down by two-thirds from the same month last year. That's because Beijing halted all such imports following the release of treated and diluted water from Japan's Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. Chinese authorities said on Monday the value of the imports last month was about $20 million. The figure was down more than 67% from the same month last year. The fall was much sharper than the roughly 30% drop in July. 
Fisheries ministry officials in Tokyo say Beijing is the world's top importer of Japanese marine products. They noted last year's seafood exports to China were worth about $590 million. The Japanese embassy in Washington has invited members of the U.S. Congress to sample seafood from Fukushima and Hokkaido. The prefectures have been hit hard by China's suspension of Japanese seafood imports. This event was held at the U.S. Capitol Monday night with support from the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party. More than 40 Democratic and Republican lawmakers tasted Fukushima sake and sushi topped with sea bass, flounder and scallops caught off Fukushima and Hokkaido. China stopped all seafood imports from Japan in late August in response to the release of treated and diluted water from the crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. The U.S. Select Committee chair says China's ban is unjustified. I think it's based on numerous scientific studies is that it's been safely dealt with, in no way impacting the quality uh, of the seafood. So for the CCP to suggest otherwise, as I said at the outset, I think is complete misinformation and disinformation. Today we offer scallops from Fukushima, where reconstruction is underway, and Hokkaido. I want as many people as possible to know about the deliciousness and safety of Japanese seafood. The treated water at the Fukushima Daiichi plant is released into the ocean after being diluted to reduce tritium levels. Thailand's government is set to tighten restrictions on the use of cannabis. It was removed from the narcotics list last year in a bid to stimulate the economy. But the move prompted controversy when it opened the door to widespread recreational use. Lawmakers from the country's newly formed ruling coalition said on Wednesday they submitted a bill to renew the cannabis policy. They said it will be discussed in the parliament. The bill aims to clarify cannabis can only be used for medical and research purposes and recreational use is prohibited. Thousands of shops selling marijuana sprang up nationwide after the former government legalized its sale and cultivation. But the boom triggered public concern, particularly about the drug's misuse by young people. The industry's market is expected to be worth up to $1.2 billion over the next few years. Prime Minister Seta Tavisin has also pledged to review the cannabis policy. His Thai party promoted a hardline anti-narcotics campaign ahead of the May general election. An international research group says the heavy rain that triggered massive deadly flooding in Libya was up to 50 times more likely to happen than before climate change. Water surged in the country last week, with some saying the death toll could exceed 20,000. The World Weather Attribution Group release the results of a study on Tuesday. The scientists compare the probability of heavy rains in the late 19th century with today's expectations. They say on top of being more likely to happen, extreme rainfall has also become up to 50% more intense. Climate activists have sprayed paint on Berlin's iconic Brandenburg Gate to urge the German government to take more action to tackle climate change. A video posted by the activist group shows members using what looked like fire extinguishers to spray the columns of the landmark with paint on Sunday. Police detained 14 protesters at the scene and launched an investigation into property damage. 
The protesters were calling on the government to stop the use of fossil fuels by 2030. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard at 10 p.m. at 13.710 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. 75,000 people rallied in New York City calling for urgent action against climate change ahead of the opening of the UN General Assembly. Police arrested at least 149 climate activists who had peacefully disrupted New York City's financial district. Louis Arce, president of Bolivia, spoke at the United Nations saying that the international arms race must be curtailed and that dialogue and diplomacy must be prioritized. Radio Havana, Cuba. Tens of thousands of people have rallied in the U.S. city of New York, calling for an urgent action against climate change ahead of the opening of the United Nations General Assembly. Protesters from some 700 organizations and activist groups took part in Sunday's rally, crying that humanity's future depended on ending fossil fuels and carrying signs reading, quote, fossil fuels are killing us and I didn't vote for fires and floods. Many aimed their wrath directly at United States President Joe Biden, who is seeking re-election next year, urging him to stop approving new oil and gas projects, phase out current ones, and declare a climate emergency with larger executive powers. Quote, we hold the power of the people, the power you need to win this election, said 17-year-old Emma Burreta of Brooklyn, of the youth protest group Fridays for Future. Quote, if you want to win in 2024, if you do not want the blood of my generation to be on your hands, end fossil fuels. The rally dubbed the March to End Fossil Fuels was the opening salvo in New York's Climate Week, where world leaders in business, politics and the arts are gathering to try to save the planet. Organizers estimate that some 75,000 people joined Sunday's event. The march featured politicians such as U.S. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and actors Susan Sarandon, Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Kira Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon. Ocasio-Cortez told a cheering crowd, quote, We have people all across the world in the streets showing up, demanding a cessation of what is killing us. We have to send a message to some of us are going to be living on this planet 30, 40, 50 years from now, and we will not take no for an answer. A United Nations climate report released this month said that if humanity is to keep global warming in line with targets set in the 2015 Paris Treaty, 2025 is the deadline for global greenhouse gas emissions to peak, followed by a sharp drop thereafter. The Paris Agreement has successfully driven climate action, but, quote, much more is needed now on all fronts, said the report, which will underpin a crucial climate summit in Dubai, at the end of the year. Achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050, another Paris goal, will also require phasing out the burning of all fossil fuels whose emissions cannot be captured or compensated for. Annalilia Mahia, director of the activist group Centre for Popular Democracies, said the world needs to wake up and take immediate action. 
She pointed to recent extreme weather events from fires in Canada, Hawaii and Greece to flooding in Libya as demonstrating the seriousness of the existential crisis posed by climate change. Quote, we are here to demand that the administration declare a climate emergency. While Biden has made a historic push for green manufacturing, offering billions of dollars for clean energy projects, some young activists say he has not acted forcefully enough to lead the U.S. off dependence on fossil fuels. Environmental activists calculate that nearly one-third of the world's planned drilling for oil and gas between now and 2050 is by U.S. interests. Over the past 100 years, the U.S. has put more heat trapping carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than any other country, although China now emits more carbon pollution on an annual basis. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has organized a climate ambition summit for Wednesday during the General Assembly at which he hopes to accelerate the ongoing work to counter climate change by governments as well as private sector organizations and financial institutions. History will remember their actions or inaction, said Anadelia Mejia. Quote, and if we're lucky, human beings will be around to remember what world leaders did at this summit. In New York City, police arrested at least 149 climate protesters Monday after they flooded Manhattan's financial district for a day of peaceful protests. Activists are demanding banks stop funding coal, oil and gas projects. In Massachusetts, nine members of the environmental movement Extinction Rebellion were arrested Monday as they peacefully occupied the office of Governor Maura Healy to demand an immediate phase-out of fossil fuels. One protest organizer said, It's going to be hard, we know that, but how much harder is it going to be the longer we wait? We've already waited too long. The people who are in power now are the ones who need to take action now. Stop passing the buck. Stop pushing it down the line. We only have a few years left before it is too late. The president of Bolivia, Luis Arce, said Tuesday that a new world order is being built in which the United Nations has a fundamental role. This during the 78th session of the General Assembly of the Multilateral Organization. Quote, the pending challenges are still numerous and enormous, but today we are at the dawn of a new international configuration. We are convinced that we are witnessing the construction of a new world order, a situation in which the United Nations Assembly, following the principles for which it was created, must play a leading role. We must put an end once and for all to the arms race and prioritize sincere dialogue and the diplomacy of the peoples, said Arce, while stressing that, quote, it is urgent that our nations unite in a collective effort with diverse voices. The Bolivian president warned about the increase in military spending in the world, which has, quote, reached historic figures. Until April of 2023, the world invested more than $2.24 trillion in weapons and the war industry. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though there are no podcasts. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 606060 or 6165. 
At their website, RadioHC.cu, you can stream the English version at noon on Monday through Friday, Pacific Daylight Saving Time. On to Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. World leaders met on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly for a special summit on climate ambitions. Only nations bringing new and meaningful action were allowed to speak. The U.S. and China were silenced. An activist working with Brazil and the European Union gives her analysis of the summit. Radio Deutsche Welle. World leaders are meeting for a special summit on climate change on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly. But there's a twist. The only ones allowed to speak are those who bring new and meaningful action to the table. That's on orders from UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. He's convening the Climate Ambition Summit that aims to highlight trailblazers and prod polluters into producing emissions. The UN isn't saying yet who can speak. But one success story is Brazil, where logging in the Amazon has fallen dramatically. President Lula da Silva has strengthened the agency monitoring deforestation and rolled back some of his predecessors' anti-environmental policies. Now, Laura Kehoe is an environmental scientist and activist and founder of EUBrazilTrade.org. That's a global coalition of scientists and indigenous groups calling for stricter EU trade with Brazil. Do you expect today's Climate Ambition Summit to achieve anything? Well, normally when I'd watch a Climate Ambition Summit, I wouldn't have much hope. But um, Lula changes things for me. Um, there, there's been a huge sea change since he was elected. We've seen deforestation go down. Um, he seems to mean what he says. He's also talking a lot about inequality, about supporting human rights, about supporting indigenous people. So all in all, I think there is hope again for the Amazon. Um, hope may be, but uh, Lula's is just one voice among 34, I think, that have been uh, invited to speak at this summit. And two of the countries not invited to speak are the two biggest polluters, the United States uh, and China. What can you achieve in terms of environmental protection without the contributions from the two biggest polluters on the planet? Well, this is a funny thing that comes up a lot. Um, I'm Irish, so often you get in Ireland, oh, we're such a small country, we can't make a difference. And all of the blame and all of the energy is put towards these bigger polluters. But I think with this crisis, we need to realise that even a small country like Ireland can, can be a beacon of light if we do things right. And I think that's what Brazil is hopefully becoming once more with deforestation going down. We can, we can see that with good leadership, with very strong indigenous activism, um, with a lot of civil disobedience and action, we can transform things. And Lula and the incoming government shows that quite well. Um, they, they show that so you can transform me, things in those in power. those government jurisdictions. But if if our concern is for the world's environment, you still get nowhere and make very little difference without the um, contributions from the US and China. So in terms of the environment, I remember walking along a beach a few years back and there was rubbish everywhere. And I had that feeling of what's the point? There's so much. There is just so much to do, so much wrong. And I realised by picking up this one plastic bag, one turtle might not eat that and die. Does that matter? Does that fix the world? Does it save everything? No. Is it still important to that one turtle? 
absolutely. And I think that's the attitude we need to have because doomism and denial and defeatism is very, very common today. And if we all fall under that spell, then we are doomed. But if we realise the power that each of us hold, then we still do have a way forward. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Laura Kehoe from uh, eubrazildtrade.org. Canada and India are locked in a growing diplomatic row over the killing of a Sikh activist. The two countries have expelled diplomats after Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau accused Indian government agents of involvement in the death of Hadeep Singh Nijjar. The Canadian citizen was gunned down outside a cultural centre in British Columbia in June. Nijjar was a prominent campaigner for the creation of a Sikh state independent from India. Delhi has rejected Canada's suggestion of involvement in his death as absurd and accused Canada of sheltering terrorists. On Monday, Trudeau told Canada's parliament there were credible allegations linking Indian agents to the murder. Here's some of what he had to say. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. It is contrary to the fundamental rules by which free, open and democratic societies conduct themselves. As you would expect, we've been working closely and coordinating with our allies on this very serious matter. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking to Parliament. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary, also available at most podcast sites. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or want to support this listener-funded program, like perennial supporter community radio station, WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana did this week. Contact information is available at outfarpress.com or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California 95490. Your support helps the weekly production of this show, which is distributed without cost to more than 100 radio stations across the globe. Hats off to WFHB for keeping this show rolling. We will conclude with France 24. At the G77 plus China summit that occurred in Cuba last week, the UN Secretary General Guterres stated that the world is failing developing countries. The governor of California announced a state lawsuit against five major oil companies. Then press reviews on the UK Prime Minister Sunak rolling back on the timeline to stop new cars using gasoline or diesel by five years. France 24. We've heard trenchant critiques of the global economy this Friday at the G77 plus China summit here in Havana. Most strikingly from Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations, who told delegates very bluntly, the world is failing developing countries. Now, over a dozen heads of state have so far spoken addressing people at this summit rolling out statistic after statistic that paint an unequal world. For example, despite the march of technological progress, hunger around the world is rising. Over 600 million people 
still don't have electricity, and Africans pay three times the global average for internet data. Cuban President Miguel Díaz-Canel told delegates they had an obligation to change what he called the rules of the game, but they can only do that if they work together. Now that is easier said than done because there are 134 different countries represented here, each with divergent interests. The summit continues on Saturday where delegates will try to thrash out a common communique calling for action. It is a big push against big oil. On social media, Governor Gavin Newsom's gone on the offensive, explaining why his state, California, is suing five major oil companies. He wants them, and not taxpayers, to pay for how fossil fuels have contributed to climate change. In a 90-day period, net profit, $63 billion. They don't have your back. On the governor's website, Newsom said the state is suing ExxonMobil, Shell, BP, ConocoPhillips, Chevron, as well as the American Petroleum Institute for deceiving the public and downplaying the risk of fossil fuels. For more than 50 years, big oil has been lying to us, covering up the fact that they've long known how dangerous the fossil fuels they produce are for our planet. California taxpayers shouldn't have to foot the bill. The 135-page lawsuit filed by California's attorney general seeks damages from the oil industry for them to pay into a fund that would compensate victims of future extreme weather in a state that's already covered billions in damages because of wildfires, droughts and floods that were intensified by climate change. But for the oil industry, the courts aren't the proper venue to push back against the climate crisis. Climate policy is for Congress to debate and decide, not the court system. As Californians and communities around the globe are increasingly suffering from extreme weather and climate change, the number of lawsuits against oil companies and against big polluters are growing. According to the United Nations, climate-related court cases have doubled in the past five years, with the majority filed in the United States. UK for this next story now. Uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has uh, caused a stir by supposedly, or definitely according to his critics, backtracking on uh, certain promises. Yeah, this story has very much dominated the UK press this morning, Stuart. I'll show you the eye to start. We can see Rishi Sunak in green there, a bit like the Hulk. His government has pushed back a ban on new diesel and petrol cars by five years. The eye, call it an election gamble, of course, an election will be called sometime in the next 18 months. In a speech last night, the PM said that he could not impose unacceptable costs on British families. He denies that he's watering down the Conservatives' net zero commitments and said that the UK are on track to beat net zero by 2050. He has been accused of weaponizing that term net zero in a bid to try and win back voters. The Financial Times say, Carmakers oppose the delays. They say they're absolutely furious. They've already spent billions on, the, on transforming themselves into getting ready for electric cars. They're absolutely furious, according to the Financial Times. Uh, we'll look at this opinion piece in The Guardian. This is from Caroline Lucas, former Green Party leader, Green Party MP for Brighton. She unsurprisingly has heavily criticised the Conservative U-turn. She calls it toxic. She said that time is up for Rishi Sunak. She notes that uh, the environment has always been a priority for Tories uh, until it's not. She ends by claiming that Sunak is using the environment as a political device and it's just going to further that divide between Sunak and the people.
Those reports and press review were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website france24.com as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. They're also available at most podcast sites. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find information for online support. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. For 26 years, the shortwave report has been produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. While I am still recuperating from spinal surgery, I am staying at a house that is connected to the grid. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.